welcome welcome everybody where's this outline hold on <laughs> fuck yeah it's okay. the start of this all right we gotta we're gonna we gotta pound the pavement on this one welcome everybody to cyber busters where we've all got cybernetic implants in our eyes and our brains because we're in the future um this is a podcast from gameluster.com from the future where uh where drugs walk the earth and um i don't know what else happens uh, people get beaten to death with uh, people... large vibrating dildos. That does happen. <laughs> yeah, that there's actually... a lot of dildos in it, actually. There's actually a lot of them, yeah. Um, so, yeah, if you were new here, each week we're going to do a deep dive into a game or a franchise we love or want to talk about, or maybe it's topical and we're riding the sweet SEO wave. Um, and I think today we're doing a little of all of those, because um, uh, Cyberpunk Edge Runners, the anime, yeah. is coming out next week, finally. Um, very interested to see how it is. It may actually be good because Studio Trigger is making it. Um, we'll see. So uh, anyway, I'm Nirav, and I'm your cyber host this week, and I'm I'm a hacker. I'm in. Hackermans. Hackerman. <laughs> I'm joined by my co-host Alyssa, who is I think a street kid. No, I'm a corpo. You want to be a corpo? <laughs> yes, I would love to be a cutthroat corpo. That's okay. So Alyssa's a corpo. <laughs> This week we have a, a mega episode. Two of my guests have disappeared, but that's okay because I still have two more. Um, our, uh, <laughs> uh, with local Chumbas, Axel. Howdy. And Jess. Hi. Wow. You want to put a little more enthusiasm into that? Hi, guys. <laughs> that sounded really unnatural. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, have you ever that... been excited about anything? No, not really. <laughs> mm. Um. But- not even, not even when the queen died. Well, well, well that's the point. We can't <laughs> we gotta, be excited we, we about got, anything we, anymore. We've got a moratorium on, on queen jokes. Our, yeah, our pride and joy is gone. Yeah, um, I said our, sarcasm. Our, okay, we have a we have a we have a, a moratorium on on queen jokes for at least the next five minutes in a period of mourning. Um, all right. Also, just again, like. The only I, I didn't understand this until I was like, what I was like, I don't understand like what the con- the concept of this really the queen dying like what does this mean for people, and then I saw that tweet that was like this is like if hamburger died and I was like oh okay I get it now, <laughs> hamburger from from McDonald's no 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 just like no this is like if hamburger died just the oh, concept okay. of a hamburger I feel like hamburger would like somehow be worse <laughs> dude if the hamburger died I would be crying I would be locked in my house for a. Me- <laughs> A morning period of eight days. Um, go out wearing all black. Oh man. Okay. Anyway, so quickly, let's go around and uh, say what we have been playing this week. Axel, why don't you kick us off? Uh, well, uh, <clears throat> like you have been uh, playing, uh, I have gotten been doing a little bit of uh, Cyberpunk twenty. Uh, yeah, let me try that again. Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. I uh, redownloaded it on uh, PS five. Uh, been Picking up where I left off, uh, I was going through a, another run through after the one five patch, and now I'm playing it on the one six patch. There's definitely been changes and some improvements, to be sure. Okay, great. <laughs> uh, I've been playing. Well, I started the week playing Elden Ring, and then I got to the capital and abruptly turned it off. Um, so <laughs> I don't know how you of all people haven't finished Elden Ring yet. It's because I don't want to finish it. I want to enjoy it as much as I can. You know when you always say like, "Oh, I, I, I wish I could like get amnesia or something and play The Witcher three again." Like I feel like that. So I I've never said time, that. But... 
but yeah. <laughs> Kate, maybe, but, but, but yeah, not Nero. But after abruptly turning it off, I'm now playing Mass Effect 2. Hey, are you doing the stream for that one too, or whatever? Or no? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Just Effect continues. Um, <laughs> just Effect 2. Um, <laughs> two, two Jess, two Effect. Great. Good job. Alyssa, have you found any new games? Well, I had a very busy week at work, so I didn't really have a chance to play anything this week. Maybe that's for the best. <laughs> I think it's for the best. <laughs> um, let's see. I um, uh, I have been trapped in the world of Disney Dreamlight Valley, which is uh, the new the new game of the year. Um, no, it's just it's the Disney game. It's actually surprisingly well made. If you like Stardew Valley and Animal Crossing, it's just that same exact thing again. Uh, but the villagers are Disney characters, and that's pretty much it. It's it's literally so much. Most of the game is literally copy pasted from Animal Crossing. Like they don't even try to hide it. Like Scrooge McDuck is Tom Nook, and he does the exact same things. Didn't uh, the guys who made Fallout Shelter get into that same kind of uh, trouble? Um, it was actually the opposite because the um, it's it's not like they're lifted the code. They just lifted the mechanics. But the the problem with that uh, was that the, there was a, um, a mobile studio that made um, a Westworld mobile game. And the mobile game was actually built on the code of Fallout Shelter, just reskinned. And then when oh, Bethesda found yeah. out about that, they sued them and they won, obviously. Um, yeah. So yeah, don't don't do that. Don't steal the code from other games. <laughs> um, anyway, it's it's more like a I would I would say it's a it's like a ripoff, but a well made ripoff. But like you know, it's like okay, this is something new. Uh, anyway, it's thirty bucks on Steam. Go get it. Um, and then I've also been playing Assassin's Creed Two, um, which I'm enjoying a lot. Um, just to get ready for Mirage, baby. Um, I like Ezio. I like when he like you know flicks people off, and then he's like, "Your mother," you know. <laughs> uh, he's like, "I, I make it a pizza." He says he says a lot of things like that. Maybe um, it's when he joined the Fall Guys universe, and uh, you know, yeah. just bounce people off maps instead. Right. Exactly. How has there not been like some crazy like Assassin's Creed promo in Cyberpunk where they like are just like, look at the Ezio coat you can have. <laughs> It's crazy to me that that hasn't happened. They had an Assassin's Creed Easter egg in Witcher 3. Oh, really? Yeah, you find a dead assassin next to a bale of hay. Uh, a, ba- a, a bale of hay. A bale of, a pile bale of, of hay. hay. What's yeah. happening today? A bale of hay. I, got, I don't know. I think I'm having a stroke. Yeah, I think you might have. All right. It seems to be well, going around a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, all, all right. So let's get into this. Um. So uh, we're going to go to the pitch meeting. So I thought this would maybe be a more fun pitch meeting. It is 2012, April 2012. Um, you guys are CD Projekt Red Management, and I'm going to be R. Telsorian Games, the owners of the cyberpunk uh, tabletop RPG on which this game is based. I'd like um, to return back to being the intern. I feel you like be I, an- lost, I lost track of being the intern at some point. Do you want to you be my intern or their intern? Your intern. Okay. <laughs> I do remember the intern, and I was like kind of hoping you'd forgotten about it. No, why? <laughs> we love the intern. Okay. You actually bullied the hell out of the intern. I did. Um, okay, so anyway, you guys are CD Projekt Red, and you are going to be pitching your idea for how to turn my property into a video game. All right, and go. Oh, wait, no, sorry. Wait, wait, before we go, 2012, we got to check what movies came out. 
Oh, true, true. Got to get in the, the get in the headspace. Yeah. Um, the movie 2012 did not come out this year. <laughs> when did 2020 or when did it came out in 2011? Out? Wow. Um, yeah, it came out because we were all scared of dying in 2012. Right. So Prometheus, this was still, okay. like, kind of helped the mood a bit. Uh, Prometheus. Oof. Uh, Wrath of the Titans. Uh, uh, let's see. Um, the Dark Knight Rises. Oh man. Okay. Um, the Hobbit. Um, which which um, the first of the Hobbit. <laughs> yeah the first Hobbit uh Amazing Spider Man twelve uh The Hunger Games uh what were we doing back then Holy shit Django Unchained baby that was a great movie What a year that was, um, this was a good year Snow White and the Huntsman um <laughs> I know that one because I watched it on on an airplane in that little TV on the back of a seat where it's supposed to be seen mm. um. <laughs> how the director intended well yeah that director was also uh having uh, an affair i think the entire time right well, there was yeah, like a he whole broke thing up our pass and christian stewart yeah um abraham lincoln vampire hunter all right so you guys oh, have just walked movie. out of a showing of abraham lincoln vampire hunter and uh we're going into this meeting all right and go we made witcher free you did didn't you uh yeah, we did well that. That means you get to sit in the big chair. <laughs> uh, please uh, take take a seat, and then uh, we're gonna just be uh, just just you know throw some ideas out about where you're gonna you know uh, maybe take this game. You know maybe some of the, the maybe the time frame of when you think you'll be able to put this out. Uh, well, and this is our our intern. Uh, say hi. Hi. Oh, oh my I, god. <laughs> can I get some coffee? Uh, yeah, sure. What kind? Uh, black. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll get right on that. I'd like a cup of tea with two sugars of milk, but it has to be exactly 70 degrees Celsius. You need to get thermometer ready. Sorry, 70 degrees Celsius is like 300 <laughs> degrees Fahrenheit. <laughs> okay, I'll try my best not to burn my hands bringing it to you. But you, you can't pull it on boiling, which is 100 degrees Celsius, because it will burn the tea bag. So you always pull it to like 70, like stop the kettle before it's finished. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Make a lot of tea. Great. Us All right. Americans not knowing anything about tea. Yeah. Um. So Don't anyway. Microwave it. <laughs> okay. That is that is that's how mostly how mostly we do it. All right. Um. Anyway, I guess you guys are in our headquarters in Washington, uh, Washington State. So we are in America right now. Um. So you guys are Polish. Yeah. Yeah. We, 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 we've probably had at least three or four beers already. All of us. <laughs> um, you, you laugh. Uh, the CD Projekt Red Suite uh, at E3 was basically the nicest, most chill bar in the entire LA area for like three days. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, we're back in, back in the scene. So, yeah, tell me about this game that you want to make. What we want to do is we want to take this setting, which we are big fans of. I mean, do you know how hard it is to get a copy of Cyberpunk 2020 translated into Polish? It's, you know, it's almost impossible. We've been, you know, we, we learned English from this thing. Oh. We want to help bring this to life. We think it's an excellent property. We think it's been completely overlooked and overshadowed by Dungeons and Dragons and Pathfinder. They're making a fifth one of those. Ridiculous. And, That'll never catch on. And we think that 
we can do far better than anything that has been put out by that other cyberpunk thing. What was it? Shadowrun, I think. Shadowrun, yeah. Yeah. We want to bring a we want to bring Night City to life. We want to have this living entity full of crowds of exotic people trying to survive, whether it's you know getting food, whether it's getting to work, whether it's not being shot by cyber psychotic street gangs you know you've built this incredible setting and we want to make it real we want help to we want people to inhabit it and just have this jaw-dropping experience wow it's not so it sounds like you really know what you're doing and you're really going to be able to put together a uh, like a project you did make the witcher 3 so and we made the witcher 3 well it and is 2012 so you didn't make the witcher 3 yet but you did make the witcher 2 <laughs> <laughs> but which is uh in my opinion not the best game i've ever played <laughs> but um okay well you know you can uh maybe we can go ahead and move move forward with this is there a celebrity we can get attached to this to get people excited about it we don't have anyone just yet but we're always on the lookout for you know interested talent uh if we get Lawrence we're really Fishburne, hoping that- we can we can get will smith on board Okay, uh, that could be cool. Does he does he do this kind of stuff? No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but for the right money, I'm sure that we can get a hold of him or at least mildly interest him. Okay, well, uh, that sounds really fascinating. So okay, this is going to be a very uh, uh, so this is going to be like an action RPG then. Basically, yes. You know, we want to you know again we want to create this living world. We want something that's not just you running around set static pieces you know like mass effect and whatnot we, or even you know the the kind of a chapter like arenas that we had in witcher 2 we want something amazing we want to bring night city to life if you can understand that i i know my english is not great but i'm i'm trying to convey all the subtleties of that one word oh, that must have been why you were messing up those words <laughs> earlier <laughs> um you know what your passion is really real i'm i am you know i'm sold on this you guys are, are gonna get this done um and uh what kind of a what kind of time frame do you think you have for for putting this together well our whole marketing campaign is going to be um around this one message of the get we'll deliver the game when it's ready but um, in actuality, what's going to happen is we're going to rush the game when it's not ready um, and completely like be one of the worst case scenarios of doing this. Hmm. My friend's English is not as good as mine. Yeah, it sounds like <laughs> that, that, that wouldn't have been a good thing to say at a pitch meeting. Um, so, OK, well, you know, we'll go ahead and do that. It looks like the intern's back with the, the coffees and the tea. And then I spill it everywhere. Yeah, I knew you were gonna. Sadly, I can All tell right. if this has been microwaved or not. Uh, <laughs> it, it was definitely not microwaved. I heard a beep come from the other room. <laughs> that was our cyberpunk that, robot. That was, that was the kettle. <laughs> it's like cyberpunk warm, robot, like halfway down the middle. Uh, All right. Well, uh, it sounds like this game is going to be great and celebrated for many years to come, and seen. All right. 
So obviously, um, this this really happened. Um, but I mean, to some degree, um, maybe. I'm trying to I'm trying to be nice here. They had a they had a big dream. They had a big vision. They had a lot of ambition. That is true, <laughs> at least. Yeah. So and for mm-hmm. our Talsorian games, it you know it had to have been you know just incredibly exciting. It's like oh yeah hey, for you sure know, you know as a you know as a tabletop gamer, I you know everybody had heard of D and D. Just you know my experience up to that point, I had not found a lot of people who had played or even heard of cyberpunk 2020 prior to this. So, yeah. And I mean, I'll be honest, I hadn't heard of it until, uh, some of the, till this game started getting marketed. Um, and like, yeah, it's, it's, a one of those, uh, tabletop RPGs that kind of, uh, you know, it, it still definitely had a presence, but like, definitely like one, one of the many, many RPGs that sort of um, disappeared under the explosive weight of, of Dungeons and Dragons. Um, uh, yes and no. Uh, and, well, it, I would maybe maybe also Pathfinder though, three point five E and, and Pathfinder. Well, it, it, it Cyberpunk twenty twenty came out in the early nineties, so you were dealing mm-hmm. more with uh, Vampire the Masquerade oh, yeah, at that time than than anything else. The world uh, of darkness. Yeah, and. It had, you know, there was always this weird kind of, you know, also ran competition between Cyberpunk and Shadowrun, and I had mm-hmm. actually heard of Shadowrun before I heard of Cyberpunk twenty twenty. Yeah, I, I actually definitely had to. So just for quick overview, Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. It's an action RPG developed by CD Projekt Red. Um, that uh, game takes place in Night City. It's an open world set in the Cyberpunk universe. Uh, you take control of V, who is a mercenary. Um, and they stru- the story follows V as they are, you know, uh, dealing with having a mysterious cybernetic implant that is overriding their bodies slowly and turning them into Keanu Reeves, um, which is not, not a joke. But um, yeah, so the memory and personalities of a deceased celebrity, who, Johnny Silverhand, who is played by Keanu Reeves, is taking over uh, your body and the two of you have to work together to separate yourselves again and save your lives. So... Um, Released in twenty in uh I almost said it released in twenty seventy seven maybe it'll be <laughs> um so this isn't it, Bethesda <laughs> no um released on December tenth twenty twenty um uh, on PlayStation four Stadia PC and Xbox One and uh, PlayStation five and Series X uh on February fifteenth twenty twenty two which is when the game would have been finished um it uh it received a lot of praise especially in the PC version um, and uh, not so much praise for the console version. Yeah. We'll get into that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, the development. So of course, CD project red is based in Warsaw and Krakow across two studios. Um, and there was also an office in Roklaw who had devoted about 40 people to research for it. Uh, so this game is based on, like we said, Mike Pondsmith's uh, cyberpunk role-playing game uh, franchise that he made for Artelsorian Games. And Pondsmith also was a consultant for this game. Um, so that's pretty cool and, uh, you know, speaks to the the authenticity of trying to adapt to the property at the very least. Um, some of the uh, ref- some of the influences they listed were Blade Runner, um, some manga uh, like Ghost in the Shell and uh, System Shock and Days X. So, um, 
just out of interest, yeah, the um, <laughs> this game cost three hundred and thirteen million dollars to develop, making it one of the most expensive games ever made. Um, do you have thirteen three hundred thirteen million dollars? Three hundred thirteen million over, you know what, nine years, uh, something like that. But it's it's um, so they didn't start full development until twenty sixteen, even though they announced it in twenty twelve. Yeah. So, um, big, big Bethesda move. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's, I don't know. So it is one of the most expensive games ever made, um, by a long shot. Cause even most AAA games come in around like a hundred million, something like that at most. Um, unless you're but, star uh, citizen, <laughs> unless you're star citizen, but then also the money that you're generating is not even your own money. So, uh, stop paying them. <laughs> Don't do that. All right. Um, yeah, so um, CD Projekt Red was actually granted subsidies of $7 million by the Polish government in 2017 to hire team members. Um, and uh, that's not unusual. We do see that in a lot of um, countries where game uh, the game industry isn't as prevalent, uh, where the, uh, the government will actually subsidize the development of a huge AAA game so that they can provide jobs for um, people in that country who have gotten that sort of technical training and retain the people rather than having them move to another country like the U S or the UK or somewhere in Europe. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, isn't, is, so that's cool. Do you know, you know how the government like, you know, tries to, tries to help people get jobs. They do. That's what when it did, says. When did that happen? <laughs> I wonder if they practice that in the UK, cause we've lost a lot of like big get video game companies have just like moved elsewhere. Like we had rockstar. Right. I mean, it could be, uh, I mean, I think they could, but I think they don't. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, they, uh, partnered with several companies for this digital scapes to craft additional tools Nvidia for the real time ray tracing Q lock for quality assurance and Yali research to procedurally generate uh, lip syncs for all these locate localizations. Uh, well, guess which of those companies didn't do their job. All of them. <laughs> so I, I was like, can you imagine being the like, stu- like, okay, we got a dedicated company for quality assurance <laughs> and like being that company. Yeah. Yeah. Um, fumbled the bag. <laughs> they they fumbled were, it a little bit. Were they doing it blindfolded? We'll get into the blindfolding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> look, so the game actually also featured full nudity, which they were very adamant about. Apparently, had some pushback from the uh, the management, but director Adam Badowski was like, "I need these titties." Um, <laughs> he's yeah. He said the body is no longer sacred; it is profane. Which I don't know what that means, but. <laughs> Um, in the final release, the only depiction of genitalia is in the character creator, and then it doesn't show up again. So sad. Well, I remember when I first started playing it, I was just walking around the apartment, and then all of a sudden, I opened up my inventory and realized I've been naked the whole time. Yeah, they don't tell you. <laughs> it doesn't warn you or anything. Oh, it's no. like a flat like that. <laughs> yeah, you you maybe get little flashes here and there during some of the sex scenes, but other than that. Yeah, no. yeah, those those tightly crafted sex scenes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay, listen to me. If any, again, if any video game developers are listening to me, every every sex scene in a video game should should be a fade to black. Please, <laughs> yeah, just just do it. You can't do it. Okay, you're not the ones who are going to crack this. 
The just one from Last out. of Us Two still scars me. Like I oh, just man. can't. It, it, it's the uns- the one like later upsetting. in the game. You mean on Pardon? the boat? The one yeah. on the boat. Okay, yeah, yeah that, very that upsetting one was not stuff. great. Because the first one at the beginning, they like fade that out, and it's like, all right, yeah. all right. Uh, yeah, that's cute. <laughs> okay, so uh, Night City was designed with the help of urban planners like me. Uh, I could have worked on this fucking game. Should have hired me. <laughs> Um, and they use the brutalist architecture style. Um, if you guys know, don't know brutalism, it is uh, basically what everything that was built in Eastern Europe after World War II. Um, it's, it's like this very blocky facades and like very uh, like like geometric shapes. Um, like, you know, less detail, more about forced presence of buildings. Um, if you look at East Germany, like that's very brutalist. East Germany, Romania, uh, Poland, Poland, yeah, (laughs) where we are right now. Yeah. Um, So uh, they said by August 2018, the story was completed and facilitated could facilitate a complete playthrough, which sounds insane, uh, considering how the game launched. Um, But the they said the content was nearly complete in mid 2019 and the rest of it need to focus on polishing. However, uh, the staff started remote work in March 2020 due to COVID-19 that caused a halt in development. And um, even though they said they were not going to have mandatory overtime, uh, although so known as crunch, they did crunch everybody. So in a yeah, it, it we'll, we'll get into the release thing here. But like it's um, well and we have, uh, by the way, shout out, of course, to Jason Schreier, who has who interviewed a bunch of people at CD Projekt Red, um, but like after the game launched to kind of find out what the fuck happened and got like really behind the scenes there and, and figure and you know, some crazy, crazy development shit, uh, which we'll get to. So didn't they um, also have like a security breach or something. So they all had to hand in their computers that then they'd been using at home. Uh, there, there was a, uh, there was a hack that uh, somebody had perpetrated. They got some, really super early build of the game out and, yeah and cd project red said basically said okay look guys you know yeah you're you're elite you've you've broken in and you've gotten you know a rough draft of a game that we're not even close to getting out yet so right know, you know. um also uh i can't believe they got hacked they're the hackers <clears throat> yeah i've been hacked um so uh, speaking of which, in July 2018, Keanu Reeves was approached for the role of Johnny Silverhand, codenamed Mr. Fusion, to maintain secrecy. Um, they do this a lot when they get people in video games that they don't want to uh, people to know exist, um, or they don't want people to know about the roles and stuff like that. Um, like famously, like a lot of people in Fallout 4 did not know they were in Fallout 4 until the game came out um, because of the secrecy Bethesda maintained. Yeah. Um, like they didn't even know they were recording lines for like a Bethesda game. Like it was that secret. Um, so yeah, like uh, I think that's kind of fun. Um, which again, like I, I'm, I'm glad they were able to keep that secret because, regardless of how the game turned out, like the Keanu Reeves thing at, at e- is one of the only genuinely exciting things that's happened at E3 the last few years. That reveal was so trippy. I almost like it was kind of so much maybe fun. It wasn't happening. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, it was it was just fun. Like everyone was yeah. so excited about it. Like great. It was just great. Well well done. Um It's the way they said on Keanu Reeves and I was like, wait, what? And then all of a sudden he emerges from this like bright light. Yeah. Wake the fuck up, samurai. <laughs> um anyway, so um uh, Keanu Reeves, of course, the role of Johnny Silverhand, um, he would do the motion capture for the character and, of course, lend his likeness and do the voice. Um, his dialogue amount is second only to that of V in the game, which makes sense. He is he is in the whole game with you constantly. Um, so um, he spent about 15 days recording his first lines, and then uh, he actually approached the director and was like, I want to be in all of this game, actually. I want to be I want to do more of this. And so they rewrote the the character's part and he they doubled the dialogue he had because he loved being in the game so much and that i think was probably right where things took a turn for the worse <clears throat> well in a way not not because of him but in the way that they were everything was so fluid still uh, yeah it, from what i understand they were originally planning to have different personalities available on the ship so it was not just johnny silverhand you could mm. you could have gotten uh, morgan blackhand who was a you know this uber mercenary in the cyberpunk universe uh they were also talking i believe saburo arasaka as another oh, personality interesting and they they just completely rewrote the story there because at this point in history saburo arasaka or at in 2077 he's pushing like 150 years old at this point. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I, I liked, uh, and I'll, I'll go ahead and say, I really liked Keanu Reeves performance here. Like an after, after seeing him like that, I'm like, yeah, I feel like they got the right person for the role. Um, he does seem like a washed up rock star turned into a terrorist. I get it. <laughs> yeah. Although I don't understand why they didn't have him doing his own singing. So. Yeah, that was weird because I'm I'm fairly sure he has done singing before, but yeah. maybe they felt like his voice wasn't right. I don't know. Um, so anyway, um, there's a a few uh oh, so the Witcher Three Wild Hunt um composer um whose name I cannot say correctly. Marcin Prowls. Yeah, I can't. <laughs> I'm not even. I'm not even gonna try. <laughs> uh, wrote the score with uh PT and Paul Leonard Morgan. <laughs> Uh, P.T. Adamchick. Adamchick, that you're right, that is correct. Okay, so they created seven and a half hours of music and they customized it for each quest, which is awesome. And I, man, I really love the score. I fucking I booted up this game last night and I was just sitting there listening to the like menu music for like five minutes. I was like, fuck, this is so good. Yeah, it's one of my favorite video game scores. It's like it, so underrated. It really, really is. And I think people do talk about the score a lot, but it got very overshadowed by all the sadness. Yeah. And I also think because a lot of people, like, it gets overshadowed by The Witcher 3 as well, uh, The Witcher 3's soundtrack. Which, The Witcher 3 has a great soundtrack. I think I would say Cyberpunk's a little better. Really? Yeah, uh, which, they're they're both very, very good for me, though. They're both in my top 25 somewhere. Yeah. Um, I just, I love the I love the guitars. I'm, I'm a big sucker for the, like, you know? Yeah. Fucking industrial guitars. Ah! Okay. So, uh, Cyberpunk 2077 was uh, first announced in May 2012, just days after the contract with our Telsorian Games was finalized. Um, was this a good idea? No. Mm, <laughs> no, no. It was, it, I will say that 
I think they were expecting it to go through. And if you remember, if you saw that first teaser trailer when they first announced it. Oh, yeah. They were for yeah. sure preparing it before the contract yeah. was finalized. <clears throat> Absolutely. Yeah. At which point, you know, it's one of those things where if uh, our, you know, if Mike Pondsmith had said, yeah, no, I think we're, we're, we're going to go in a different direction here, guys. You know, it would have been one of those lost pieces of art that was just kind of tucked away somewhere, which yeah. would have been a tragedy. But that first teaser trailer was just it was really well done. And it was yeah. really one of those yeah. things that made you got think. people hyped. It did. And, you know, I was one of the people who was hyped. And this was, though, you know, even though it was like 2077, that's OK. Please, please. If if they're adapting the tabletop game, please don't make it suck. Please don't make it suck. Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> I, I've started to get more appreciation to the way Bethesda used to um, announce their games. Remember when Fallout 4 was announced? And it was that was the best out, announcement like a, ever. They yeah, said it's out was, in three months. Yeah, it's and like, literally all all they had been up until that point were rumors that they were working on Fallout. There was nothing else from before. Yeah, they like had like not, they didn't say anything. Yeah, sort of, and then they sort of did the opposite thing after that, which was like, "Come on, guys." Yeah, and they the reason they did that was because they were like, you know, trying to prove that they're working on something for like investors. But like, I mean, then they got bought by Microsoft, so they don't have investors anymore. They don't have to do that anymore. But yeah, so hopefully they can kind of go back to that. Like, well, we'll just announce it when it's ready. Yeah, um, I love that. That 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 I wish more more companies would do do it like yeah. that rather than announcing something and then like ten years later it, you'll you'll get impatient. It's getting crazy though. Like almost every one of these big game shows with the announcements, it's like coming in twenty seventy seven, probably <laughs> actually. <Yeah. laughs> like they don't date anything anymore. They're all concept trailers, like yeah. you know, it's it's just like and I know the reason they do this is because they're trade shows and they're trying to get people to come work for these companies. But like if they're going to be trade shows, it's like you can't you can't have it be both like a, a show for fans and for like industry uh, people looking for jobs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Ubisoft not... actually uh, used to get a lot of flack for it because in E3 they used to make like um just basically make a small section of the game for the trailers so for like uh, far cry 4 was a big example like what they showed at e3 was just like a separate project and then they start like the actual main game and it was it that it looked completely like completely different to what they had shown oh weird they did the same thing here we'll get into that yeah. <laughs> so the first trailer for this game we talked about in january 2013 um and then at e3 2019 an initial release date was given for 16th of April, 2020. Uh, this was then delayed to 17th of September, then 19th of November, and then finally to the 10th of December. Um, the developers did receive a lot of death threats over this last delay because it came just a week before it was supposed to launch. And it was a, like a pushed it back a month, essentially. Um, and that's rude. Don't do that. Um, so the final delay was decided very suddenly. Um, and, um, Apparently, and this was confirmed by Jason Schreier later on, none of the team members knew about the uh, about the launch date before it was announced at E3, um, which we can. Yeah, there's there's a bit on that later. But like, uh, yeah, none of them were uh, none of them were told that, like, hey, the game is going to launch in, in 2020, actually. Um <laughs> However, um, worth noting, on launch day, the game uh, exceeded 1 million concurrent viewers on Twitch. And so, 900 million of them said, or 900,000 of them said, 
what the hell happened here? Yeah. yeah. Um, and it, we, I think I have a note in here about the, um, about Steam also, but like on launch day, uh, I think it's down here. Um, anyway, oh, I love talking about cross promotions. You know how like when you have a new, uh, when you're bringing this new property together, you want to uh, cross promote it with every single type of media possible before you even get the thing made. Yeah, t-shirts, Funko yeah. Pops, posters, Rockstar, right. Rockstar energy drinks. You know, that's all of that. <laughs> Sneakers. They had smartphones. They had action figures. They they showed the anime. They have comics. Gaming chairs, specialized video cards, specialized um, cases. Oh God! Yeah, yeah. Um, and all the that. Xbox looked really good. So you know the Cyberpunk Xbox. Okay, that's true. Yeah, yeah. The, that's the, the giant eye mugging yellow Xbox. Yeah, yeah. I like overwhelming that. and underwhelming at the same time. <laughs> Just with everything that happened, I really like. I don't know. I got kind of sick of like seeing all that junk. Like it kind of made me want the game less, to be honest. Yeah, they they went over overboard on that. Um, yeah. So there's uh, the versions of Cyberpunk that released in Japan and China were subject to a reduction in the amount of nudity and gore portrayed in order to meet rating agency requirements and censorship laws. Sad. Um, ch- ch- Japan of all places, really. Uh, <laughs> but. Um, a data mine of the game's source code by hackers in February 2021 revealed that the content flagged for censorship in China was tagged under Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, of course, a reference to the fact that Xi Jinping, the Chinese Communist Party president, is Winnie the Pooh. Um, which we've confirmed is. here, folks. Um, do, do, does everyone know about that whole thing? Yeah. Yeah, okay. that, yeah, that Winnie the Pooh is banned in China because Xi Jinping can't take a joke. Yeah, <laughs> um, and that's and that's why we stand him. Um, so the release was a very high profile event. It was considered a disastrous launch uh, as a result of the game suffering from numerous bugs and performance issues, particularly on the PlayStation Four and Xbox One versions. I like this. The Guardian called the release a shambles. Was that you, Jess? <laughs> I don't write for the Guardian. A shambles. A shambles. Yeah, that that would be putting it charitably. Yeah. Um. uh, That that just seems like a British thing to say, is all. It's it's it. That means like a disaster. You'll be like, oh, this is a shambles. Right. Yeah. It's not something I would say, (laughs) but. Um, it does uh remind me of when the BBC like first was tw- when the the insurrection was happening here, and the BBC's first tweet about it called it a scuffle at the Capitol. <laughs> <laughs> that 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 is really undermining it. A scuffle is like <laughs> like three guys outside a pub like having a little bit of an argument. <laughs> um. The New York Times said it was among the most conspicuous disasters in the industry's history, with CD Projekt Red prominently failing to meet expectations for what was anticipated to be the biggest game release of the year. Um, Other gaming industry commentators described the post-launch reception of Cyberpunk as a fall from grace for CD Projekt Red, who had previously enjoyed a fiercely pro-consumer reputation from Reddit guys. well, not even just from Reddit, guys. You know. Yeah, no, you're right, though. They were well-known because of The Witcher 3. We made The Witcher 3, guys. Remember? Yeah. Well, you know, and, you know, when I was covering E3, you know, before all this, mm-hmm. you know, again, going to the CD Projekt Red suite, those guys were 
incredibly chill. It was, you know, just, they were completely nice. They were, everybody was very approachable. It was not anything like the main floor. It was this just wonderful separate little world that was Hmm. quiet and relaxed. And it was like, wow, I can, you know, I can sit down, I can take a break. And so this is the best spot in the entire convention center. They also differed from other large video game companies in the way that it didn't feel like they were driven by greed. Like there were yeah. 16 free DLC with The Witcher 3, half of which other video game companies would charge you for, like things like hairstyles and stuff. Yeah. Um, they all, Their two DLC that they offered were also far bigger than any Yeah, they were gigantic any expansions. Other companies were offering, yeah. Yeah, they, they were actual, just, you know, they were actual expansion packs. You know, they, yeah. Right. You know, they were classic kinds of things. And it's like, I don't feel bad about paying for this. Yeah. yeah and the yeah. whole like thing with the with Cyberpunk, how they would say it's coming when it's ready, that felt like a big dig at like Bethesda <clears throat> and all these yeah. other companies that rush their games out. Like it kind it did yeah. kind of feel like they were for the consumer, which obviously turned out to not be true. Right. So um review copies were sent out only with PC versions before launch to hide the state of the game on consoles. Yeah. Uh so at uh before launch it received an 86 uh aggregate score based on the PC versions alone. However, the Metacritic score for the console versions once it was released sat at 54 with most outlets finding the game totally unplayable on last gen consoles. Um some of these uh, initial reviews had been based only on the PC version um, and were later updated to add caveats about the notable differences. I, um, and because of the game's performance on consoles, CD Projekt Red offered, offered an apology, particularly for their pre-release secrecy regarding these versions, uh, also known as lying. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Like it's it's not an apology if they purposely went out of their way to like cover it up. Right. But that's not that's not that's not they're not sorry. Well, they're sorry they got caught for it. So yeah. then began then began the stupid back and forth where CD Projekt Red said, "Well, you guys can get refunds," and then suddenly PlayStation and Xbox were both being hounded for refunds where they did not offer that on their store. Um, and then CD Projekt Red said that they had no specific deals in place with either Microsoft or Sony to facilitate such an action, but they should be able to refund it if, and, uh, it's Sony's fault if you can't refund it. <laughs> yeah. It, it's one of those cases where if you bought the game from like GameStop or game over in the UK, then yeah, you could theoretically go in and say, I would like a refund. And yeah, you could- now this was the only time in GameStop's history that they actually took a game back that you had opened already. Um, Not quite. Uh, Fallout 76 was all, was another. Oh, did they also do that? Okay. Oh God. Yes. That Fallout 76 that uh, I was working at GameStop when, when that came out and it's like, Oh, you, we, we had stacks of Fallout 76 copies. Stacks on stacks. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, we have all these copies. Like we couldn't give them away. Yeah. That's rough. Um, so, um, yeah, anyway, uh, they, uh, of course, infamously, Sony announced it would offer refunds to customers who had purchased Cyberpunk through the PlayStation store and then removed it from the store until further notice. Um, it returned to the store in June, 2021. And, um, to my knowledge, this is the only time, uh, as far as I could find that a game was removed from the PlayStation store at Sony's behest. 
It has happened yeah. before when the publisher removed it, but Sony has never removed someone else's game before. Yeah, that really confused me because I didn't do the same for Fallout 76, which was as, if not more, broken than Cyberpunk. I managed to play Cyberpunk on PS4 like about midway through until I decided to call it a day. Yeah. Yeah, it, it my you know my all of us at Game Luster, we all reviewed it on the PS4. <laughs> well, yeah, you guys did. I, I reviewed it on the on the, my my PC, my beautiful PC. And I got, I got further, I got further with Cyberpunk than I did with Ark with Ark Survival. Like I tried playing that on the PS4. It was that game, unplayable. That game still is unplayable on my PC. It's so bad. <laughs> How is it so popular? It doesn't we tried run. it for about like an hour and couldn't even get to a point where we could start the game. <laughs> I saw one dinosaur and the whole thing collapsed. <laughs> um, anyway, so like I said, it removed from the store. Um, and then eventually when it did come back to the store in June 2021, uh, when you bought it, there was a warning. Users continue to experience performance issues with this game. Purchase for use on PS4 systems is not recommended. Yeah. Um, and Microsoft uh, allowed it to be sold on the Xbox store, but if you went to the page to buy it, there was a warning banner that covered the page and said the game did not work to their expected standards. Um, so, uh, of course, Cyberpunk 2077 was and is still the most pre-ordered game of all time, holding that title at 8.5 million pre-orders yeah. um, and sold a total of 11 million copies on launch day. <laughs> yeah. I, I was um, one of those suckers. Yeah, I did. Same. I also did that. Um, yeah, same. <laughs> well, it, uh, although waste. being fair, the only reason that I had to do that was because we, you know, we had put in for a request for a code and we didn't, you know, we got declined like two days before launch. And yeah, I was, I, I was so unhappy about that. So. Um, yeah. So anyway, the, um, at the end of the day, um, with all the with all the hubbub about refunds, uh, CD Projekt Red said later only about five hundred thousand people chose to refund Cyberpunk through these extra opportunities. Most people just chose to sit on it until the game was made playable with f- further patches. Yeah, that's what I did. Um, so, uh, according to a pro- uh, investors' call at CD Projekt, the sales saw a drastic decline four days after release once people found out the game didn't go, um, and. <laughs> Shocking. CD Projekt analysts had predicted sales of 30 million copies in the first month, and so they saw this as a colossal failure. Uh, also, who, how could you possibly sell 30 million copies of this in a month? Like, yeah. even at the best of times? It's no. theoretically possible. It would have to be one of those cases where you had enough hype and you had enough people blown away that, you know, you got one guy playing the game and... 10 people are seeing it on Twitch or they're over at their buddy's house and they're saying, wow, I need to get this game that, you know, it's that kind of thing that happened with Halo. It happened with, I'd argue it happened with Elden Ring too. Yeah. Yeah, I I wasn't even going to get Elden Ring on, uh, on day one. I wasn't going to go for it. I was going to wait for it to go down in price, but actually the hype around it, like, made me break oh yeah it like i me. i had a friend who was reviewing it before launch and she was like talking to me about it constantly and was like you like absolutely sold game. it to me <laughs> like yeah well it wasn't even you have to get this game it's like this game is different than than dark souls and here's why and i was like yeah. oh now oh i will love it then you're right and i did yeah um 
But anyway, so again, CD Projekt Red saw these sales of 11 million copies in their first month, which is more than most games ever sell ever uh, as a colossal failure. However, um, they did actually, those 11 million sales on the first day already recouped the entire cost of development. Mm. So, is what it is. Um, (laughs) Do we think, what what game do we think could break that record of the uh, the most pre-ordered game ever. Starfield. I think Elden uh, Ring. And I, Elden I, don't, Ring. I would say no. Yeah, I was going to well, both of those games, no, because of Game Pass. Oh, yeah. I, was, I think that's going to stop that from happening. So yeah. um, I'm trying to think outside of that. Um, the most pre-ordered, and by the way, the most pre-ordered game of, uh, of all time before this, um, just a few months earlier, was actually the Mario 3D All-Stars game. Were they? Yeah, because... That's insane. Well, because it was like, they listed, they like sent them out with like a detonation device attached to them. (laughs) Do you you remember that? Like this, it was a limited release. They said like, after six months, this is getting delisted. What? Do you not remember that? That was like a whole thing. (laughs) Yeah, Mario 3D All-Stars doesn't exist anymore. You can't buy it. what? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it it only existed for six months. That's insane. Yeah, but they did do that, and they sold. Uh, I think they sold twelve million copies of that, or something. So it worked. <laughs> um, I just wanted Mario Sunshine. I just wanted it. <laughs> uh, all right. So, uh, within twelve hours after release, the game had had over one million concurrent players on Steam, which broke the record for a single player game. Um, if you guys want to know the previous record. Um, it was on launch night for Fallout 4, which was about 400,000 people playing at the same time. So this more oh, than wow. doubled that. Yeah. Um, that's kind of crazy. So mm-hmm. the thing is also, remember, I think that Steam had benefits because it was the only place you could play the game and like it would go. Uh, that or or uh, good old, you know, GOG.com. They, uh, they were Cyberpunk... Since Cyberpunk 2077 was coming out from CD Projekt Red, and CD Projekt mm-hmm. Red owns GOG.com, they were pushing that one really hard. They were really pushing it. And I saw so many people before launch on Reddit being like, I'm going to buy it from GOG because I want all of my money to go to CD Projekt Red because they're amazing. I was yeah. like, guys, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know, guys. I I understand the mentality, and up to that up to that point, I I was supportive of it. Supportive of it. But then this debacle happens. Like, okay, guys, uh, we we have some trust issues now. Yeah. Um, so game reviews, of course, like we said, were largely positive. Um, but the aggregate score was thought to be disappointing by analysts, and CD Projekt stock fell by up to nine point four percent after the publication of the Metacritic reviews. So that was just when the game got an eighty six. They were so disappointed. They their stock dropped nine point four percent. Um, which is crazy. That should give you an idea of how crazy high expectations were for this game. Yeah. Wildly um, unrealistic. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, open critic also criticized CD project red for deliberately attempting to misrepresent the game and not delivering copies for Xbox one and PS4. And, uh, they actually had a big notice on their site that the game did not run on Xbox and, uh, and PS4. 
So a class action lawsuit representing those making investments in CD Projekt was uh, during 2020 was filed December 24th, <laughs> asserting that the company made fraudulent claims to the state of Cyberpunk 2077 as to mislead investors. Uh, a second suit arose in January 2021, and eventually four separate lawsuits were merged into one and uh, one common action. So CD Projekt settled with these investors by providing $1.85 million to the group as part of the terms, which is zero. That's no money. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a pittance. Yeah. Um, so Poland's Office of Competition and Consumer Protection began an investigation of the game in January 2021, asking CD Projekt for an explanation regarding problems with the games and the actions taken by them. Um <laughs> They had previously asked its employees to work six-day weeks for the several final months of development of the game, and the company ditched plans to tie developers' bonuses to the review score and chose instead to pay out the full bonus regardless. Stop doing that. Yeah. Stop doing that. Don't do that. Don't give bonuses based on the review scores. Yeah. Um, yeah, after what happened with um, Fallout, Fallout New, New Vegas. Vegas yeah, that was such a bad, like, such a bad look. Um, yeah. Like Bethesda were evil for that, man. That was yeah, and I, I'm gonna go ahead and blame Todd directly for that. Yeah. <laughs> I know no I, I look, I know none of those decisions are his. Like he's the creative director for the games, but it is much <laughs> easier to blame him for those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um so here we're getting into some of the stuff from from Jason Schreier um at uh, Bloomberg. So based on discussions with CD Projekt developers, a major reason for the poor performance was underestimating the effort that would be needed. And they brought more than twice as many developers on that they had for The Witcher 3. So they, The Witcher 3 was made by a crew of 240 people. Um, they brought in well over 500 for this game. Um CD Projekt had only expected the same amount of time to complete the game as The Witcher 3, so the bulk of development towards the game only began in late 2016. Um, the expanded scope had created a lot of extra difficulties, and then there is the unorganization of the management. Um, so uh, the co-CEO, Marwin, uh, Marcin um, Iwinski, issued an open message to players on January 13, 2021, apologizing for the state of the game. And the company's plans to correct it. Um, Iwinski said that the company underestimated the risk in bringing a game optimized to run on PCs over to consoles. Um, he specifically faulted the in-game streaming engine that was used to load in assets from storage on the fly. Which, I mean, like, okay, like he's just apologizing for like, we, we made the game wrong, so sorry. <laughs> he's, he's talking as if they haven't done it before with Witcher 3. Like, they're, they're talking like as if they've never made a game before. Yeah. Well, you know, these things get away from you. <laughs> no. No, they don't. <laughs> That's not how video games work. Um, so um, while they tested the versions as they approached release, they had not seen the same issues that players had reported in the release version. He affirmed the developers were not responsible for the release state <clears throat> of the game, but instead it was a choice made by himself and other management. Um, besides working to re- issue refunds, um, Iwinski outlined a year-long path that would involve multiple patches. Uh, all of those patches did get delayed, so no worries. Um, <laughs> and uh, so here's some some direct quotes from the um, Schreier article. So Adrian Yakubiak, 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 Yakubiak. A former audio programmer for CD Projekt said one of his colleagues asked during a meeting how the company thought it would be able to pull off a technically more challenging project 
in the same time as The Witcher. And someone answered, we'll figure it out along the way. Bioware magic. <laughs> it's absolutely <laughs> Bioware magic. That was all I could think of. Um, for those who don't know, that was the same the same thing that um, Bioware suffered during their development. Was that for Andromeda? No. Oh well, it was or, for it was for Andromeda. It was for Inquisition. It was definitely for Anthem. For Anthem, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, like, Anthem, yeah, wasn't it with Anthem that they didn't actually start working on it for like ages, and EA were like wondering what are you doing with our money, and they just yeah, started. that was a yeah, that was actually yeah. a huge yeah. thing. I feel like <laughs> I've heard from I've heard from industry insiders that like. EA wasn't even the problem for Anthem. It was like, yeah, actually, it was it was like actually Bioware and EA didn't like do enough oversight. Apparently, Bioware were just procrastinating for like. Ages I mean, the old it. the we look. I mean, like we all know the old the the actual Bioware is like was gone by then. Like it was not. Yeah. Like it was not the same company. Um. But anyway, so um. He said, uh, I knew it wasn't going to go well. I just didn't know how disastrous it would be. So studio head Adam Badowski took over as the director and demanded overhauls to the gameplay and story. So for the next year, everything was changing, including fundamental elements like the gameplay perspective. Um, Because they originally were making this as a third person game. And then years into development, we're like, what if it was first person? (laughs) Change the whole thing. Yeah, that really annoyed me. That that was so late into it as well. They'd already shown like really cool gameplay of it in third person. And then they changed it. So you, you don't see your character like at all very much. Yeah, yeah it's really, really ever. Yeah, it's even in like, um, I don't know, like a, a, you could at least do the fallout thing where there's like cut, yeah. the cutscenes are in third person. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, love, I, lo- I love the fallout thing. It, it lets you see your own character like interact yeah. with the scene. And I think yeah. it, it looks so much better. Well, the, the only way that I could, you know, that you could see your character outside of cutscenes well, you know, actually not even in cutscenes necessarily. The only way to see your character outside of that in the in the release version was to ride a motorcycle. And yeah, oh, yeah. And oh God, that was that was no, a whole, that was that was a whole other presented a whole other host of challenges. Yeah. Um. So, um, the top staff who worked on The Witcher Three had strong opinions on how Cyberpunk should be made, which clashed which uh, clashed with Badowski and led to the eventual departure of. Literally almost everybody uh, of their top developers, their art designer left, Christ. the narrative designer left, um, because the director wouldn't work with them, essentially. He had a very singular vision on what the game should be, and it clashed with what every one of the department heads wanted. Um, so um, much of the CD project's focus, according to several people who worked on it, was uh, impressing the outside world. A slice of gameplay was showcased at E3, the industry's uh, made train event, of course. In 2018, and it showed the main character on a mission. Remember that 2018 game live, that real gameplay demo where they're like, "This is yeah. a real person playing Cyberpunk 2077," and um, it wasn't. It wasn't real. It was a fake thing. They actually had dozens of developers spent literally six months making this demo as a separate game. Yeah, it's, you, that's what Ubisoft did for years, and I think they might have stopped doing it now, or at least they might have got better at like making the final it. product look like what they showed. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it um, seems like an immense waste of time. Oh, yeah. it was. Yeah, weird. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're right. Yeah, it does seem yeah, like that because that's what it is. Um, so the um, uh, like I said, this this demo was almost entirely fake. They had not coded or these underlying gameplay systems yet. So, so many of these features, like car ambushes, were missing from the final product. Um, 
the developers said they felt like the demo was a waste of the months they should have gotten mm-hmm. spent working on the game. <laughs> right on the money. Mm-hmm. Um, they were working long hours, even though Iwinski told the staff overtime that wouldn't be or overtime wouldn't be mandatory. More than a dozen workers said they felt pressured to put in extra hours by their managers or coworkers. Anyway, there are times when I would crunch up to 13 hours a day. A little bit over that was my record, probably. And I would do five days a week working like that, said Yakubiak, um, adding that he quit the company after getting married. I have some friends who lost their families because of these sort of shenanigans. I don't know if shenanigans is the right word, but I understand. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a re- that's a real thing, though. Like you're pressured like, OK, you can either keep your job by staying here and working all the time and your personal life is going to fall apart or, you know, you can save your marriage and like you're broke that I mean, that's the corner they push people into like this, you know? Yeah. It's it's also like this is another reason why to go with the old Bethesda approach is because if no one knows what the release date is or even if you're working on a project, there's no pressure. Right. But again, CD Projekt Red is a publicly traded company, so they have to tell their investors what they're working on or they won't have any investors. Oh, yeah. So it's capital. It's like really it's capitalism's fault. <laughs> well, no, no. To be being completely fair, a in a perfect world, a smart investor would realize, all right, this is a very large, ambitious, ambitious project. It's an artistic endeavor. There's probably going to be slip. Let's you know, let the artist do the art thing. I mean, the whole, you could argue that capitalism helped paint the Sistine Chapel, uh, the Piet, carve the Pieta, any number of Renaissance masterworks. So let's not completely get down on capitalism because sometimes it really does produce some impressive stuff. Yeah. yeah, maybe it's a problem with the industry. Like maybe they should be separating the trade shows from the consumer shows. I kind of think they do, or I kind of think they should. And like, I mean, I think E3 blurred that line a long time ago, though. Especially when yeah. they, when they opened it up to be a public conference as well, uh, a convention rather, um, mm. back in like 2013 or something. Whenever they well, did that. Um, well, I mean, you had people who had no connection to the industry that were sneaking into E3 getting passes on the flimsiest of connections almost like i think you know the esa finally said all right fine screw you we'll you know we'll open it up to everybody right which yeah i mean i don't know so um anyway so even as the uh the uh timeline looked increasingly unrealistic management said delaying wasn't an option their goal was to release Cyberpunk before the new consoles from Xbox and PlayStation, which were coming out, you know, in, in November 2020, um, were even announced. So that way, the company could launch the game on existing PS4, Xbox One, and PC, and then double dip by releasing versions down the road for next-gen consoles. Um, so eventually, though, what happened was that people did receive free upgrades for the new game. So that was mm. good. Yeah. Um, that was not the original internal plan. Um. That is like the least they could fucking do, though. After yeah. all this, yeah. After the uh, the complete and utter catastrophe that they built for themselves, uh, yeah, it's literally the only thing that they could do short of committing seppuku. <laughs> <laughs> Samurai. <laughs> Wait. Um. Okay. So. Um. Anyway. So. Uh. Bah. Uh, Anyway, some engineers realized during development that Cyberpunk was too complex of a game to run well on seven-year-old consoles. 
with its city full of bustling crowds and hulking buildings. They said that management dismissed their concerns, however, citing their success in pulling off The Witcher 3. Bioware magic. Yeah, well, in in their defense, The Witcher 3 did have towns that did have people walking around yeah and, and it was great and it was but and it, and it felt natural and it felt organic but it was also freaking medieval and they yeah. were separated into three different areas so that you'd have loading screens in between each area it wasn't like the mass the whole map was like yeah. one go and like the Witcher 3 is not my favorite game ever or anything, but like Novigrad is one of the best cities I've ever seen come to life in a, in a video game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they did a great job with it. Um, so as the launch date grew closer, uh, the studio knew the game was in rough shape and they needed more time uh, because chunks of dialogue were missing. A lot of actions didn't work properly. And when management announced in October that the game had gone gold, which means it would be ready to be pressed to discs, there were still major bugs being newly discovered. Um, the game was delayed another three weeks as the exhausted programmers scrambled to fix as much as they could. And when it launched on December 10th, the backlash was very swift and furious. <laughs> so um, just l- even let's disregard for a second. The bug bugs were like, none of the characters had faces or like suddenly everyone's naked or I have 70 trees growing out of me. Um, <laughs> the, um, there was a huge list that was compiled on Reddit, which I remember being part of, of everything that the that was promised by CD Projekt Red in an interview or a trailer or a press release, specifically promised by them to be in the game that was not in it. I have here the list. Um, uh, AI that directs enemies during combats and patrol, but also citizens and NPCs daily life. Uh, a wanted system and corrupted police. An immersive yeah. police involvement, um, it changing with the area where you committed the crime. Um, uh, they showed examples of hacking uh, and the using your wire to hack people that could not be done. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. That I wanted to be a hacker based on that alone, and then when I played it in the game, I was like, "What is this?" Press the button to hack, <laughs> and, and then Just press try, it, and, and, <laughs> and then try to solve this, you know, arcane, you know, code puzzle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what what did everyone like best about fallout that's right the hacking mini game yeah <laughs> um so they uh they showed examples of a trauma team that plays a key role uh a lot of uh flying cars and stuff like that um you know uh merch that could be previewed before purchase a lot of ui differences um and uh different rpg elements um there's a, a lot of they showed a lot more um, or they, they promised rather a lot more dependency on the actual RPG elements, whereas like cyberpunk really feels like it's a first person shooter that had some RPG stuff like shoved in there. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it's a difficult line to, to work, but I understand. But like, you know, this is this is a gigantic studio that has a bunch of money like you can figure it out. Um. So NPC unique daily routines, definitely not in this game. Nobody ever moves. Nobody, none of the shopkeepers ever move and they're all there 24 hours a day just standing there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> those, those ones are just very dedicated to their life. They're very dedicated. Um, yeah. Quest decisions that change the world physically. No, not happening. No. Um so you get called me- every five seconds by people offering you quests. <laughs> like you can't get from like like two meters away from your apartment without getting a phone call. 
Right. And fuck that. We'll talk <laughs> about that. I That was my least favorite thing in this game was how they do yeah. quests. Um, I'm going to interject really quick because I need to head out. But oh, yeah. I forgot. <laughs> I've been yeah. quiet anyway. Sorry. It's okay. That. Do you have anything you want to say about the cyberpunk? I was disappointed by it. That's okay. all I really have to say. I mean, like, far, it was How it far was did beautiful. you get in it? Not very far at all. <laughs> well, oh. I mean, like, I have a low-end computer, so, like, it didn't even really, like, run super well on my computer. So oh. I watched playthroughs, and that was most I got out of it. But it was beautiful, at least from what I saw in people playing on really nice computers. <laughs> it was beautiful for other people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, we had a technical snag, so we missed like a few minutes of, of footage, but we're back, baby. Um, so we were just about to talk about the life paths, um, the the street kid, uh, Corpo and Nomad life paths. That um, so, which ones did you guys do for your reviews? Uh, I did. Corpo. I I thought Corpo made the most sense. I kind of like the idea of you being all high up in the tower and then like losing everything and having to start again. Yeah. Uh, I took Nomad. Uh, I they hit uh, one of the uh, if I remember there was there had been a an earlier segment where they had showed off the Nomad path or you know that introductory prologue and it's like oh okay yeah this this could be interesting let's go with this yeah um, I actually did the Street Kid one so that works out um, but. Um, I was doing a Sombra playthrough, so I just like made I made Sombra in the game um, <laughs> uh, with the with the haircut and everything and the cybernetics. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, yeah. So um, you do start in three different places. I will give them that. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you start off with a different um, intro. Yeah, right. Um, and then at that point, once you get to the point with the um, the montage, I think once you. Yeah, it's like once you meet Jackie, I think the rest of the game is the same from there. Yeah, more or less. Uh, there is one life path specific mission for each, you know, for each one. Oh, one. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> and there, there, um, are, there are little bits here and there. Uh, if you're the nomad and you've got a certain technical skill, you know, you can tell Jackie how you can customize his bike further, and then after. <laughs> And then after he buys it, or after he dies, uh, you can uh, you can get Spoilers. that you get that modified version of the bike. Uh, Real life changing <laughs> stuff, then. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, the street kid one lets you talk to people on the street, and <laughs> so <laughs> no, it do- it doesn't actually. But like, yeah. what it does is when you talk to when you meet gangsters or other street people, you can be like, "Hey, yo, I'm one of you. I'm not. I'm I'm just on the wrong turf. I'm one of you, huh?" And like, they're like, oh, "Okay, okay, okay. This is one of our people." <laughs> so like, it allows you. No, <laughs> it's like, wait, <laughs> wait a minute. No, it's, it's like, like no. Eh. It's like, hey, gonk, <laughs> meet my friend, yeah, hey, Mr. Gonk. Meet my friend, Mr. Bullet. Mr. Who? Yeah, what it, <laughs> bang. Um, what it does actually is allow you to talk your way out of a few situations, but not many. Um, very. That's much the not same many. with Corpo. Only with Corpo, you occasionally deliver very arsy and uppity lines to people. Like you'll be like, "Excuse me, who are you talking to?" And then for some reason, Jackie is also still friends with you in the intro. Like you two are BFFs for whatever reason. Like after playing the game, it seems like Jackie wouldn't be like friends of. Um, a corporate person yeah it seems like you might not <laughs> <laughs> but uh, apparently you're different well yeah you you in the corpo storyline you know you get 
stripped of your rank, your privileges, your money, all in front of him. And for one, for some reason, he he takes pity on you. And it's like, okay, it's like, don't worry, Holmes, you you got this. You, you'll bounce back. You, you'll, Come on, Chumba. You're you're, you're 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 kind of the lost puppy that he, <laughs> he adopts. Um, yeah, um, and it's it's weird because it just like it all sort of merges together into one thing and like maybe really should have just been advertised as like, Hey, you can start in three different locations. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think if they had stuck to their original design of having different life paths, dealing with different uh, people, you know, on the, uh, on the relic chip, then that Mm might've made for a, a better experience but no i think with the whole with the thing with the three personalities i think uh one of the things that i liked most with like how far i got with cyberpunk um about midway through the game (laughs) was uh b and johnny's relationship and i feel like if you had had three different personalities on the chip that it, it kind of would have been spread a bit more thinly I I like the and I I like the way they did it and like I I will say I I really love the main story of this game like I think yeah. it's very well paced and well written and um it made me feel like you know it made me feel like a cyberpunk and yeah it's also so tragic I thought um, it is really did, tragic as appropriate I don't know tragic. about the male voice actor but V's female voice actor is so good and I she's generally extremely felt so talented upset. I, I, I felt her. so upset for her now uh, the, the male voice actor for V. You know, he, he also does a good job, yeah. and I, I ultimately ended up finishing the game eventually. <laughs> um, and I, I'm thinking I got probably the, uh, you know, one of the best, if not the absolute best, ending. Yeah, um, there's uh, so there's several different endings, and oh. I, I actually like upon finding, I don't know, like. I think I my my opinion of this game raised like a lot more highly when I found out about the secret ending and what it is. Um, I haven't reached the ending yet. So basically, my my experience was I tried it on PS4. I got midway through and I kind of like looked to the left and there were these like bin bags that like weren't rendering their textures and I thought at that point that I wasn't going to play anymore and I was going to wait for it to be on PS5. Um, well, wait, wait for myself to get a PS5, and now I have one, and I've restarted it again. But I still haven't reached the end. I'm, I'm slowly getting up to where I was. No. Yeah, um, I don't know. So, like, I, I did. I really enjoyed, you know, the the. Um, I don't know. I, I just really enjoyed the narrative. And what was the guy's name? Ta- ta- uh, what is the the bodyguard guy you're working with? Ta- Takimura. Takimura? Goro Takimura. Takimura. I liked him a lot. Um, interesting character. A lot of I will, and we probably need to address this because a lot of a lot of a lot of Asian people felt this game was not well representing them. Yeah, um, which is understandable. Um, like every Japanese person here is like obsessed with honor and their ancestors and stuff, and it's like uh, I don't know. Um, yeah, but. Yeah, I mean that that aside, which I mean is definitely a, a thing um, that it's not new to this game in the world of cyberpunk as a genre. Like no, in fact, I think I swear is, that's yeah. like part of the genre is it that is. it kind of like plays with um, Japanese stereotypes a little bit. And, and yeah, and it, it's a lot of it is like you know what white men in the '60s imagined a future Tokyo would look like. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
And so it, it is a little bit off in that regard. And I think that they did. I think that having seen some other cyberpunk stuff, I think they did a little bit more to curb it in, in this. But like, yeah, I, I can understand if people felt like they weren't well represented for sure. Like, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, but uh, no, I like I, I, I do recommend playing the, the main story and like the side missions that they actually wrote out, like the as opposed to like the radiant missions, like the actual side missions are pretty well done, too. Um, yeah, the, there are a lot of really good side missions. There are also a lot of, you know, what the hell you guys left this in here? Side missions. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> there are there are a lot of dumb radiant quests of like um you know like go to this place and shoot 70 guys and it's like yeah. all right i i'm starting to really hate radiant quests in video games i, I really too. got my nerves in fallout 4 with um that just being pe- preston's like whole personality um <laughs> well, like it's yeah yeah but in cyberpunk 2077 they aren't actual radiant quests there are no radiant quests. They are all locked in there. They are all little pinpoints. Oh, they just—they just have the cadence of a radiant quest. <laughs> yeah, they—they—they yeah. they, they mimic a radiant quest, but they do not actually—they are not actually radiant. They are not being generated procedurally. They are not yeah. being—you know—no nobody is. There's not a police scanner saying, "Oh yeah, the tiger claws are starting some shit down in the city center." You know kindly dissuade them and if they don't take to kindly dissuasion you know flatline them um one yeah. thing i will note about that i didn't like about this game is I've, I've like as a female gamer and this is for a few games as well is the male romance options are uh, bad suck like it's the same <laughs> with fallout 4 like if if you're like a straight female gamer, then your romance options in Fallout Four are McCready, who I think has rotten teeth. Um, <laughs> you a ghoul. You've got Hancock. Hey. Um, oh, you got you got Deacon. Deacon's not romanceable. I wish he's he not. was. You know he isn't. Jeez, oh, <laughs> he's literally the only decent option, and he's not. And uh, um, and all uh, you've all you've got. Um, <laughs> Or you've got Paladin Dance, who is He's also like, a or... robot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got a corpse, you've got a you've got a rotten tooth mercenary, and you've got a couple of literal sex toys. I don't... Yeah. They, at this okay. point, they may as well made strong romance. Oh, wait, no, and... hold on, hold on, hold on. You also have famously loved character Preston Garvey. Oh yeah, I forgot. He's also a robot. <laughs> yes, he's a robot in a different way. Yeah, and uh, your options. And bear in mind, in Cyberpunk Two and Seven Seven, like the male romance options, you've got <clears throat> the beautiful, like angel. What's what's her name? Um, the um, Judy. No. Yeah. No. no uh, you can't. You can't romance Judy as a, as a guy. No. Yeah. I'm right. She's the, a lesbian. The nomad option. What's the name? Oh, uh, Pan Am. Yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely amazing. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Amazing romance option. Yeah. But if you're uh, a, a, a woman playing it, your romance option is this guy who looks like I don't. I just. I don't know. I know like, River is one of them, and then there's one. Yeah, other that's guy. that's who I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, keep in mind that there are there are you know you have the romance options and and then you have the flings, so. There are any number of, well, actually, actually, come to think of it, there really aren't a number of them on Jig Jig Street that you can pick. I up. don't remember any of any like male flings either. Uh, Meredith Stout. 
that's the only. No, I mean, yeah. I mean, like female, female, like, like if you're looking for a male fling. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, I don't yeah, think yeah. there are any options. I, I no. thought there, I thought there was one. I, I'm more There's one other guy one. whose name I've forgotten. Um, but I don't know if he's a, a good, like a well done romance or not. I did. I played as a female character, and I was like. I, I don't know. I, I, I just was like, please Pan Am. And she's like, sorry, I'm not into it. And I was like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> but you get Ju- you, you got Judy instead. Ju- Judy's I should I know. I know. Judy is great. Um, but like, anyway, uh, so that could have been done better. Um, yeah. I think I, and by the way, my, my, I did a video review of this game, the PC version, which is on our, our YouTube channel at, at Game Luster. And um, a thing I said in there is that this feels like one of the most elaborately built theme parks of all time. But like, if you look too like any theme park, if you look at it for too long, you realize it is all fake. Like, <laughs> not, like don't look at anything for too long in this game. You know what that, I mean? That's what put me, put me off it was looking at those bin bags. And I remember also when you meet up with Takimura in that cafe, I remember the whole conversation. There's like a pizza in a box that's next to you, or it's on a plate or something that's next to you. Every time I looked down at the table, this pizza was doing weird stuff. Like it was moving. <laughs> <laughs> when I finally looked down, it had like actually exploded, and there was like tomato sauce. I don't know why this was uh, this was even like um, animated, but there was like tomato sauce all over the table. And I was trying to I was trying to listen to what Takimura is saying whilst this pizza's like possessed next to us. Yeah. Um, anyway, so like, look, I think this game is. Uh, it is fun. I had a good, I had a good, I had an overall good time with it. Um, the PC version was still very buggy when I played it. Uh, like how the cars didn't go, uh, they just sat there. <laughs> so that wasn't good. But, um, also like, man, I don't know if you guys saw this too, but like the, um, the crowds of people, like you would sometimes see like six of the same people walking with each other. The same six yeah. people. Over yeah. and over and over again, yeah. And I swear <clears throat> that was a point that they made in in one of the gameplay videos. They were like, you won't see like two of the same people in the crowd or something like that. Yeah, I'm pretty that sure they actually said that. Um, yeah. So, anyway, yeah, like I said, I don't know. My personal recommendation is at this stage, from what I understand, I think the game's in a fairly good state on like PC or the next gen consoles. Like, go for it. I think it's fun. I think it's worth your time. Yeah. Um. It's uh, obviously on sale a lot of the time, but I, I think it's worth your time to invest in it. it. It's a fun, it's a fun game that could have been a billion times better and was not. Yeah, if I, if I'd played it now, because I've been playing on my PlayStation Five, I would have given it happily given it like a seven out of ten or an eight out of ten. I don't think I would have been that generous. <laughs> really? I <clears throat> if I had pl- if I was playing it now for the first time, I would be unfortunately very influenced or you know i would be comparing it to cyberpunk 2020 i'd be comparing it to cyberpunk red uh you know the tabletop games and see you know seeing how wildly different it is from those systems and also from those narratives it it was they have made a lot of they've made a lot of good stuff but it feels it doesn't feel like it's connected necessarily to the setting that they licensed. It's like they spent all this money inking a deal and then said, okay, yeah, welcome to night city. And we're, we're going to borrow these characters, but we're completely going to 
rewrite the context in which they show up in and why well as a side thing i think the what i would say is that like there's a strong case of the ludo narrative dissonance here where like oh yeah a lot of the things that you do in this game don't really reflect <clears throat> the themes or the world that you're in in any way like you know, it's like, why is V like working with the cops and like getting paid by the cops to kill people? Yeah. And and that's the thing. If they had if they had implemented call it a job system, if you will, where you could take on a different role and work with the cops or approach different missions within that role. So mm-hmm. you're you know Imagine that opening mission uh, where you're trying to save the gal from the scavs and you're taking and you're doing that role as a lawman as opposed to just, you know, random Merc. What would what would be considered a solo in the uh, tabletop game? That would have, you know, that could have been wildly different. Uh, It. It would have been really entertaining if it had been if you'd done it as a media. Imagine being this kind of gonzo investigative journalist who goes in with a mini cam saying, you know, you know, exclusive footage, scav you know, scaving you know, scavs pulling cyberware from poor defenseless citizens, you know. <laughs> We're, we're gonna we're gonna rip off that faceplate jammer and it's like, you're you're gonna be famous gonk, not in the good way. It could have been a lot better, but yeah, no, we we got well, a a generic mercenary who it okay. I've described this game to people as like. A lot of Grand Theft Auto and a lot of Fallout, but not the best parts of either of those games. Um, yeah, I think what upsets me the most about it is the exact same reason why I'm so upset about season eight of Game of Thrones is that um, the potential of what it could have been is so like good in my mind that like the finished actual product that was delivered is so disappointing that it's like very upsetting. yeah, and like to be fair, um, I will say that for for CD Projekt Red, they absolutely are the ones who were guilty of that. They spent so much of their time and their money on marketing and hype. Like yeah. this was the biggest hype engine I've ever seen for video games. Yeah, I um, think they got too big for their boots after The Witcher Three. Bear in mind that I, the Witch The Witcher Two was good. It was an ambitious so. It was very standard for yeah, what it came was a out very, at that yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think The Witcher 3 was such an unexpected success that they <sighs> got too big for their boots after that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A- ambition agree. is good. You know, it, it you know, I'm, I'll I'll quote Robert Browning, you know, man's reach must exceed his grasp or else what's heaven for. But at the same time, you kind of have to have at least a little bit of grounding to say. Yeah, it <laughs> You know, say, this would be like if Bethesda took the same approach after right after they'd done Morrowinds, which was like, in some people's opinion, like their be- their like best game. Like if they just literally made Morrowind after, I think their their games before that were good, but not like at Morrowind standard. And if they're just kind of like just taking the same approach, it would be like like similar to that, right? Um, yeah, it's a. Uh, uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Cat hair. 
basically. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I guess I wanted to say something about the endings, though. I would like, I uh, I got the um, I, my first ending I got was like the the bad Matrix ending, but the second. Oh, don't, I, don't I, spoil it for me, though. I know I'm not <laughs> going to. Uh, okay, the second, yeah, the the second one I I got was um, uh, the uh, Arasaka like space ending or whatever it's called. I think it's called Arasaka Earth or something like that. But uh, that one was a little bit better. I I like that. I found out about the secret ending and what you need to do to get to it. I won't spoil it here, but if you look it up, I think it's genuinely a fascinating idea and is uh, super cool. So check that out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on my on the current uh, replay through that I'm going through, I've I have uh, completed the steps needed for that. I just need to finally drag myself down to Embers to talk to Hanako. Oh, God. Hanako. Yeah. Um, <sighs> yeah, and uh, let me also say that I think there are a lot of super impressive performances in this game from all of the the actors involved. Um, yeah, is like. The companions are great. Like, um, when even the there. villains are, are really well acted and everything. So, uh, Jackie is great. Um, they do a also, really, they do a really good job with with making you feel it when when Jackie dies. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I was just that was that was one of us upsetting like well, character deaths in a video game, and he it was, it was like half an hour into the game. I yeah. it was my my experience with that was kind of ruined because. Yeah, it was this big thing, and in my playthrough, Jackie's gun was sticking out through his head. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. there's, there's supposed to be this big character yeah. dramatic moment, and you Fair enough. blew it. Oh. That's like when I was playing Alien Isolation, and at the very end, you know, that dramatic moment where all the all the xenomorphs are like coning on, in on you as you're about to um, activate the bomb. Um, in my playthrough, that game glitched, and they were all on fire. <laughs> <laughs> so I had these like flaming xenomorphs like honing in on me. <laughs> Welcome God. to hell, Jess. <laughs> um all right so yeah let's uh let's go ahead and, and i guess start closing out does anyone else want to want to say anything as a, a last bit here um i really liked the world building in it the, the little like memory sticks that you can pick up mm-hmm. are like really interesting to read and for once i was actually like reading them which i don't usually do in games i usually like save them for later and then like never right. read them yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah there 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 was a a good bit of environmental storytelling you there was never a case where even if it was just you know one of the the ncpd subcon or subcontractor missions that you just pick up on the street there was always a reason for you being there and you always got at yeah. least a glimpse of like okay why did i just put bullets into all of these guys oh that's why. Okay, I don't. I don't feel quite so bad about this now. <laughs> but you know, it was. It did a lot of really good environmental storytelling. The yeah. Pro- the problem was that it, it, in my in my opinion, they didn't do a whole. They kind of dropped the ball on the main storytelling. There, they did a. It was good, but it could have been so much better. I also feel like the environment didn't f- compel me to explore 
Like, it's not like Fallout 4 where I'd see something in the distance. I'd be like, I really want to go and see what's inside that building. Like, there was nothing with that with Cyberpunk. Like, you you wouldn't, like, hear of a story and want to go and, like, see what was happening, like, there or something. Yeah, I, th- I think they... I think they were trying way too hard to give you stuff to do, but yeah. they but they weren't giving you a motivation to go do it other than, you know, basically checking off a box. It's like, yeah, oh, basically. Ooh. Yeah, it's like, oh, hey, there's this icon on the map that I haven't gone to. Well, I guess I better take care of that. Uh, yeah. And they did, they have corrected that to some extent. Uh, they've, removed a lot of of the uh the map of the map tax but at the same time they've also rearranged them a little bit and clarified a few of them so uh i i find it interesting that they have not or that they have uh also gotten rid of the the relative threat or the relative difficulty indicators you know, there were some map tacks that you, if you highlight them and you look, and it's like, you know, this is a very dangerous mission that, you know, meaning, you know, the, the subjects or the targets are, you know, 10, 20 more levels above you. It, yeah. But then again, that may just be because I've, you know, I'm at a point character wise in levels that's like, okay, yeah, nothing's really a threat to you anymore. So we're, we're not even going to bother. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, let's, um, I guess let's go ahead and pack it up. Uh, so thank you guys for, for joining us, uh, for this most, uh, most robotic, uh, of episodes. Uh, we're, we're all in inject- what's a street drug. Uh, we all inject ourselves with black lace, black lace. We're all injected baby. Um, yeah. So anyway, like I said, I don't know. My final recommendation is I think it's on sale all the time. Yeah. Go and get it. Get it. Go and get it. It's pretty good. Um, sad. Anyway, so yeah, let's uh, uh, get out of here. Uh, visit us at GameLuster.com, uh, YouTube.com slash GameLuster, and you can find us on Twitter at uh, GameBustersPod, and we have GameLuster as an Instagram also. Go find it. Um, and we have a Twitch channel, which I need to start promoting, actually, which is Twitch.tv slash GameLuster. We have streams all the time. Come by and say hi. Um, and uh, yeah, remember to recommend us to your friends and rate and review on the iTunes and Spotify and if any other platforms have that option. Um, so do you guys, uh, either of you want to plug anything you did recently? Yeah, I've, I've just started my Mass Effect 2 playthrough. I've been, uh, I've well, actually, to, first off, I've finished my Mass Effect 1 playthrough. So that's completed now if anyone wants to go and uh, watch it. Uh, the playlist is on our YouTube yeah, channel. Jess's legion of fans are holding our YouTube channel together right now. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> and then we're also working on our, our Hot D podcast. Yeah, I forgot about Hot D. That's tonight. Um, yeah, well, it's so, tomorrow in my case. Right, but anyway... Um, yeah, so uh, make sure you check that out. It's on the same feed as this, so it's hard to miss it. It is there. Yeah. Um, which we're, we're getting good response to that as far as listens, though, so I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. Um, so yeah. yeah. Make sure to check that out if you're watching the show. Um, Axel? Uh, I'm doing a uh, regular uh, stream on Fridays, you know, going, uh, going through uh, Red Dead Redemption 2. Uh, you can watch me, you know, do all sorts of stupid cowboy hijinks and, you know, Fail quick draws left and right. So definitely mm. come check that out if you want some cowboy comedy 
of the unintentional variety. <laughs> oh, well, um, no means. Yeah, check out those cowboys. Um, we'll see if Axel turns to violence. Oh, no, violence, like we is, all... violence is expected. And, yes. you know, violence is going to happen. The, the question is whether it's going to be funny or not. Yeah. Yeah. I actually feel I, like a good way to play Red Dead is to do the uh, the bad decisions to begin with and then after the diagnosis to um, be a good guy. Because it is like a redemption arc. Oh, yeah. And that's and that's where they got the name. Yeah. Um, all right. Very good. All right. Cool. Let's uh, let's get out of here then. Let's uh, we need one last thing to get us out of here and free us from cyberpunk prison. Um, we need some sort of a catchphrase uh, or could, something like that. Do like a Keanu Reeves <laughs> phrase. Yeah. Uh let me look up let me look up a quote and I'll just do it like like he does it. Uh and quote I can, can do the matrix. Whoa. Now I know Kung Fu or something <laughs> like that. What, what, what does he say? <laughs> um I I don't remember. I'm trying to think about the matrix now. I'm forgetting it. Um here, I'm looking here. To the IMDB. Uh, I'm on IMDB right now. <laughs> Here, this was an inspirational one. Give yourself time. Ideas will come. Life will shake you, roll you, maybe embrace you. The music will find you.